much for leading us today. So another one of my favorite Mark Hall songs. He's one of my favorites by far, songwriter, and just um, the whole ministry of casting crowns has been a ministry, ministry to me in so many ways over the years. I'm sure it has to many of you too. Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. You find verse 1 will be reading together there in just a few moments, Jeremiah chapter 29. I think about that, and I think about Mark Hall a lot, uh, about his story of how he's, of course, he and I share the ADD bug, and he's dyslexic, and he, he was told after he took a entrance test to go into the music school, the Baptist College of Florida, that due to his problems that he might need to choose another major. Sometimes you just want to hunt these people up that told them that stuff, right? Imagine what contribution the world would have missed had he listened to that and not followed through with what he knew was God's purpose for his life. And What a tremendous uh, follower of Christ and not that, just, just done a tremendous work and just a blessing to so many their ministry has and I'm grateful. When I think about this text today about hope for a future, I realize that uh, so many times it's through difficulty that helps us continue to persevere forward and reach the God-given potential for which God created us in the first place. Jeremiah chapter 29, if you have found your place, would you stand with me if you're physically able and honor reverence to the reading of the Word of God. We're going to look at verse 4, we're going to read verse 4, the first few verses just kind of give us some some lineage and also some uh, uh, idea of how God spoke to Jeremiah in that day. But verse 4 really begins to show us the content of the message with which God gave him to deliver to his people. Here's what the Bible says in verse 4 of Jeremiah 29. It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. He said, build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit, take wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons, and give your daughters to husbands so they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you have caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after seventy years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope, and a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today. And I pray that the Son of God would be glorified through the preaching of the word. God, that we would glorify you through the songs we sing. And God, that you would be honored and magnified 
this place. God, as you speak to us, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to obey. May we follow you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Today I want to speak to you from Jeremiah 29 about this particular time in the history of God's people because in so many ways it mirrors where we are spiritually today. Jeremiah is prophesying, as you know, a prophet of God. He's been called of God to declare to people the message he sends through him. Now, if you know Jeremiah's background, you know that he was not born into a family of prophets. He was actually born into a priestly line and could have had a pretty easy life. He could have worked down at the temple and took the offerings and the sacrifices. It had been a kind of a smelly, stinky job, but the job that he had would not have put him in near the level of danger, if you would say, that being a prophet did. Because he wasn't speaking to God on behalf of the people. He was speaking to the people on behalf of God. Big difference. So because of that, he could have followed his family lineage. But in the first chapter of Jeremiah chapter 1, here's what God told him. In verse 5, he said, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I already knew you. And I'd already ordained you to be a prophet to the nation. He said, Not only did I form you and shape you, but I had a purpose for you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. And can I say to you, that's transferable to you and I today. God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb, and he had a purpose for your life before you were ever born. Isn't that good to know? Now, the the hard part is for you and I getting on his agenda and chasing that dream for our life. So, Jeremiah, this is what he's doing. He's following God's purpose for his life. He's a prophet. He deeply cares for people. He has a burden from God to do what he's called him to do. And as he continues to do the work of God, uh, he is re- several times we find him weeping because he's weeping over the people's continual rebellion against what God has told them to do. Well, Jeremiah chapter 29 was written at a time period, one that we studied earlier this year in the first six chapters of the book of Daniel, during the time that God's people were in captivity in Babylon, had been exiled from Judah at a time for a 70-year period. Well, during that time, this same chapter is written, giving some instruction, giving kind of a roadmap, if you will, of how to live, behave, and make a difference in a difficult culture. If you remember from our studies of Daniel chapter 1 through chapter 6, which is a historical account of that Babylonian captivity, we know that Daniel went there as a teenage boy. We also met Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they found themselves in Babylonian captivity due to no fault of their own. Sometimes you find yourself in situations where maybe even God is bringing instruction, correction, or even judgment that it wasn't anything you did to cause it, but you were in the vicinity of the people and therefore you experience the difficulty with everybody else. That's what happened with Daniel. Well, you remember Daniel did not follow the king's dietary laws. He uh, refused to do that, was not going to eat meat sacrificed to idols. He was going to stay true to God. He had deep conviction that even in difficulty he would not compromise his conviction. A lot of people do that during difficult times. They compromise bedrock truth and that's dangerous. 
Daniel's a good example of one that didn't do that. You know how he was called upon to interpret dreams in chapter 2 and in chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, he interpreted the handwriting on the wall. In chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced the fiery furnace because of unwillingness and resistance to bow before the king of Nebuchadnezzar and all of his idols. So because they didn't do that, they were cast in the fiery furnace. And you know how God miraculously delivered them. And people will say, Brent, do you really believe God did that? Absolutely. Did God do it then? Yes. Could God do it today? Yes. Could God do it tomorrow? Yes. Did he have to? No, but he did because he's God. He does as he, as he wills. So then we got to chapter 6 and we found how Daniel found himself in the lion's den because he refused to quit being who he was. In Daniel chapter 6 verses 10 and 11 we read how when Daniel first heard of the, the decree that had been signed against anyone praying as he did to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the Bible says that once he heard it that he went home. When he got home, he kept doing what he'd been doing. He didn't change what he was doing because of some crazy decree. He kept staying true to God through that window up toward Jerusalem and prayed morning, noon, and evening. And they found him and they caught him and they thought they had him. But you know the great story of how God put him in, God allowed him to be put in that lion's den. And once he was put in there, he woke, the next morning, he, he was fine. He, no, not a scratch. Say, did God do that? Yes, he did. Could God do it again? Oh, yes, he could. So we see what was happening is that Daniel gave us a wonderful biblical illustration of a real-life person who really lived in a pagan culture and never compromised his integrity or his commitment to God regardless of what was going on around him. Well, this same chapter is written during that time, and it's giving us very clearly the time frame in Jeremiah is prophesying and he is talking to God's people and he is letting them know how they must continue and how they must live and what convictions they must have during that time. Well, before we get into the text, I want to make a couple of observations. I want to make two observations and a few things to say about each one of those and then I want to just walk through the text briefly today and, and share with you some things because listen, I want you to know this. God still has a plan and purpose for his people in 2021. God had a plan and purpose for everything that happened in 2020. I learned this the other day. I, was, I put it on our New Year's Eve video if you got to see it. Everything that's happened in my life up to 2020 prepared me for 2020. You know, it did the same for you. Everything that happened during 2020 is preparing you for 2021 and beyond. This is not some accident. God is using it for his glory. So here's a couple of observations I want to make. The first one is this, is that life is filled with giant pitfalls. Think about this. There's all sorts of things out there in this life seeking to try to trip you up. There are people, there are problems, there are circumstances and politicians and all that kind of stuff out there trying to seek to trip us up, right? All kinds of, we see it every day. But no, it's not flesh and blood because the battle we're fighting is a spiritual battle. Our war is against principalities, powers, and rulers, a spiritual wickedness in high places, according to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. But when we talk about these pitfalls, let me just share a few of them with you. 
One of the first pitfalls that any child of God can fall into when we find ourselves in difficult times and we begin to lose hope is we'll start living in fear. Fear, now, I, I love the Zach Williams songs, Fear is a Liar, don't you? Yeah, sometimes I just put it on my little Spotify, on my, in my truck, you know, I'm learning some technology. Spotify, man, I've really kicked it up, man. Angie likes Pandora, but I like Spotify there. I like to pick my songs, amen? So I'm not hitting over Zach Williams. Fear is a liar. Man, I just have a spell. And I love that song he sings about being a survivor, don't y'all? That dude, I, I like, we saw him in concert one time. He's one of us. He's a good old boy from Cleveland, Kent, Borden Springs. I don't know, he's tough, man. But anyhow, he, he just, uh, uh, those songs minister to me. But so many people are living in fear, and that, that happens very quickly, and it is a major pitfall. Now, here's what the Bible teaches us. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he said, God has not given us a spirit of, help me, fear, right? But of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if God has not given me a spirit of fear, when fear invades my life and grips my soul, it is not something that came from God. Amen? I just read you the Word of God. The Word of God said it's not from Him. He didn't give that to you. Now, is it present in the world? Yes. Do we find ourselves battling with it? Absolutely. But one of the greatest pitfalls that we run into is we start to live in fear. But there's another. Not only do we start to live in fear, but when we start to live in fear, we can slide toward worry and anxiety. I don't know about you, but I meet these folks sometimes. I've met some super spiritual Christians before. Y'all ever met one of those? Super spiritual sword drill extraordinaire. Y'all ever met them? All right, here's the deal. They'll say, I don't worry. No, sir. Worry is a sin. I don't worry about anything. I just pray about everything, worry about nothing. And do you know what I want to say to that person? That you cannot convince me that at some point in your life, you did not find yourself in a spirit of worry. Okay, I, I, for a moment I thought, all of y'all are those super spiritual people. No, no, honestly, listen. We all at some point, and if you say you don't struggle, you're not telling the truth. I'm telling you right now, you just sin right there. You just told a lie. Look, I'm telling you, we all struggle at some point with things that cause us to worry. I can remember when, this has been a long time ago now, but when the first day we brought Caitlin home from the hospital, all right, we've been building up here, all right, nine months, building up, right? I'm ready. I got pampers stacked up. I got wipes stacked up. I got everything. Man, I'm ready. I'm a prepared papa. And I bring that baby home and I lay her on the couch and all I could do is look at her, put on my face and cry. You say, why? Because I thought I had never in my life had a, a human being that was totally dependent on me. Do you know that's scary that if you got put in this world totally depending on me, that would be a scary place to be, okay? All right? So, but here was, I thought, what am I going to do? She's going to starve to death. I don't know what to do. I, I, I never really held babies. I didn't know anything. I mean, but you know what, though? Buddy, I learned fast. 
I learned real fast because the necessity caused that. But nevertheless, I remember thinking, oh God, I'm never going to be able to keep her fed. Oh God, I'm never going to be able to keep her clothed. Oh God, I'm never going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to do it. God, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you know what? He reminded me that I was right. I couldn't, but through him, I could. And I believe that's something that the world needs to hear today, whether it's the fear of being a parent or the fear of what's going on in the world, is when we slide toward worry and anxiety, remember this. Yes, that is your natural bend, to bend toward wondering, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? I can't do this. But we need to be reminded is everything we can't do on our own, we can do through him. And then here's the other pitfall. This is a big one. If we're not careful, we'll stop dreaming. Now, this is real close to my heart. This is where I get a little passionate, okay? We'll stop dreaming. If we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to quit communicating with God, quit hearing from God, and quit doing what God is teaching us to do. The other day I shared with y'all, I'm, I'm beginning a new book, starting a new book. Miss Adams, I'm a reader. You know, I, you're so proud of me. I know that. Okay, good. Because I, I was not a reader when I was her student. But I... I was terrible. I was terrible. But look here. I read. I read. You know why I read? Because I want to learn everything I can to be God's man on mission with him and following him. So I read good stuff. Read the word of God is my number one thing to read. Don't let anything become more precious to you than the word of God. But there are good things you need to read to help you. If you say, I can't read. I don't like to read. It's boring to read. Listen here. If you find something that captures your attention, You'll, can't, you'll not be able to get enough of it. You know, I can remember when I was a youngster, I used to go to the grocery store, and uh, you know what I used I was I did, I was spiritual. I used to like to do this. Go over to the magazine rack. Y'all remember when they used to have magazine rack at the grocery store? Now those posters, the girls would be looking over there at Sean Cassidy and all those people. I saw a picture of him lately, girls. He ain't so hot no more. Eh? But anyhow... And they'd be looking at the Cassidy brothers and all these different, and the Hardy boys and all that stuff. But I went for the real stuff. I went for the wrestling magazines. You know, somebody'd be bleeding all down the front of them. Y'all remember that? They wouldn't let you put that in the store. Now some kid would be totally deranged from it. But that was our life. But I remember, and so I've been reading it. Here's here's a book I started reading, David Jeremiah. I love David Jeremiah. Does anybody else love David Jeremiah? I love him, man. And you say, you know why he's so spiritual? I figured it out. I read it in the first chapter of this book. His wife was a Thompson. Her name's Donna. I I knew it. Cousin David. I knew it all along. So anyhow, so David Jeremiah is one of my favorite authors, and I won't tell you why. One, because I believe he has a heart deeply committed to the gospel, loves Jesus all his heart, and for over 50-something years, 60-something years, he has just, just been a blessing to the body of Christ and to the world. And man, I'll tell you, it's just a great, great read. So I'm about halfway through, but here's what really captured my heart when I began to read. I looked at the title forward, because I don't know about y'all, I don't want to go backward. Anybody want to go backward? Y'all want to go back to 2020? No, sir. No way, no how. Uh Uh-uh. They can cash that check, right? No, no. I'm ready to go forward. And then it said, discovering God's presence and purpose in your tomorrow. Boy, I tell you, yesterdays have been tough, but we can really find some hope in tomorrow. And in the first chapter, he's talking about not losing your ability to dream. Now, let me talk about and clarify what I mean by dreaming, okay? And he makes it very clear. Let me share with you. He said, when I talk about a dream, 
I am not describing a self-made vision of your life apart from God's will. Remember that. Not some dreamed up junk that God ain't got no part in, right? He said, and I'm not using the word as the ancient prophets did when they had supernatural visions of inspired revelation. I'm not talking about seeing heavenly creatures or having apocalyptic dreams. Instead, I'm talking about envisioning the next stage of your life. A dream or a vision is simply a picture of what you feel God wants you to do next. A dream about what God wants you to do next. I wonder today, most of us have gotten so caught up in right, and now we've forgotten to think about, hey, what's God want to do next? What's God's next step? What's God's next project? What's not God's next mission? What is God's next for us? It's not some way out wacky stuff. It's about a real dream that God puts in your heart. And then he says this. This is good. i got to give you this. He says, without a dream, we float through life without ever catching the current. Just kind of hanging out, freestyling, right? We're just going along. You know, people, I just go with the flow. No, 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 that's not always good. He said, if we don't have a real dream and a purpose from God in our life, we're just floating through life without ever catching the current. He said, many of us, oh, this is something, listen to me, 21st century child of God. He said, many of us fill the majority of our hours with diversions and only a few with dreams. Think about this pandemic. How many of you sometimes said, I just need something to get my mind off all the madness. I just need something to put me in neutral to where I no longer am thinking about my problems and death, disease, and dying. There's nothing wrong with that, but if you're not careful, you will spend way too much time with diversion and lose your ability to dream. He says, our world is shaped by determined dreamers, by men and women of vision. Like them, you need a dream to achieve your goal. And let me say this to you about dreams. Most of our dreams never become reality until we have faced discouragement that tried to kill them. Most of our dreams never become reality sometimes without us going through difficult times that really make us want to... Listen, you think about the children of Israel there when they were in bondage in Egypt. They were trying to get to the promised land. You know what got them to the promised land is they had to get sick of the wilderness. Amen. They had to get so tired of the wilderness that they were willing to fight to get to the promised land. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. When God puts dreams in our heart, and I told them in the first service, and I want to tell you all this too. I remember almost five years ago when God put the dream in my heart and said, I want you to go home and lead my people. I said, God, I can't do that. He said, no, you can't, but I can. And I remember how God began to birth a dream in my heart and God began to give peace in my soul and God began to remind you, and here's what he taught me. He said, son, I'm not sending you there to keep status quo. I'm not sending you there to keep things as they are. I am sending you there to blaze a trail. And listen, some folks won't like it. They want to keep it as it is. Some of them won't won't like the trail you're blazing. Some won't like what you're doing. Some will want you here when I want you there. But he says, I'm putting a dream in my heart and your heart where I want you to lead my people. Listen to me, friend. By the help of God, can I tell you, on my face before God this week, here's what God's rekindled in my soul. Is don't you let this pandemic and don't let you let the problems or any of the thing that's going on around you kill the dream. Listen, church, I got
got some good news to report to you. On January 3rd, 2021, the dream of God is still alive. God is going to use this rural church in Heflin, Alabama to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing Satan and all hell can do about it because it's a dream God has put in our heart. Amen? I'm not going to let that dream die because he put it in my heart. Whoa, we got some giant pitfalls out there. He wants you to live in fear. He wants you to slide toward anxiety and worry. The world wants you to stop dreaming. But just as much as there are giant pitfalls, the Bible is filled with God's promises. I just want to share a few of them with you, okay? What's some promises we find from God and his word concerning his people? All right, here's the first one. One of the first promises we know about God is he has taught us that he is always with us. I don't know about you, but I've experienced a lot over the years in ministry, ministering to people. One of the most powerful emotions, circumstances people have to deal with is that of being lonely it's very difficult and can I tell you the pandemic has perpetuated that I mean I'm grateful to God for technology it has helped me stay connected in a way I couldn't stay connected with y'all had we not had it I am so grateful I really am it's helped me stay connected with our high risk uh, church membership through online services I'm so thankful but I can't hug a zoom call are y'all with me? You understand what I'm saying? I, I'm just being honest. And you can't hug a Zoom call. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's just so many things that it has placed space and distance and all these different things, and it's made it tough. And there's a lot of people in our in our world today, right here in our area, living lonely because of what's happened. I'm telling you, that's a powerful thing. What's going to get you through that? Well, I tell you, you say, well, I tell you what, the presence of my friends and family, absolutely, but I'll tell you what's really going to get you through it is you realizing that God has told you he's always with you. Oh, you think about it, Joshua chapter 1 where Moses died. When Moses died, uh, <laughs> that was bad news. The man that had led him all this way, he's gone. And then the word comes down to Joshua, and God tells Joshua, he says, listen, Moses, my servant's dead, but now you're going to take his place. You imagine filling the shoes of Moses, the dude who went up on the mountain, came down with two rocks that God rode on. That's pretty big shoes to fill, isn't it? Oh, but yet Joshua, I'm sure, felt inadequate, but here's what God promised him before he had very much time to fear. He says, you need to know that just as I was with Moses, I will be with you, buddy. That handled it because Joshua had seen the faithfulness of God to Moses and he knew that God had promised the same faithfulness to him. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, knowing he is with him and he was with him all the way, he was with Joshua no matter what happened. He was with him when they went and crossed, uh, crossed over the Jordan when it was flooded out on dry ground. He was with them when they set the memorial stones in chapter 4. He was with them at Jericho in chapter 5. He was with him when he got whipped at Ai in chapter 7. He was with him when he went back in chapter 8. He was with him when he got deceived by the Gibeonites in chapter 9. He was with him when the sun stood still in chapter 10. He was with him all the way. God kept his promise that he was always with him. Can I tell you this? 
he gives you the same promise. He doesn't just say, I'm with you. He also says this, I'll never forget you. <laughs> never forget you. It's easy to be forgotten. It's easy to forget. But isn't it good to know that there is a God that loves you so much that not only will he be with you, but he will never forget you. That's amazing to me. Of all the people on this planet, billions, seven billion plus, calling on God, people from every tribe, kindred, and tongue, but yet the sovereign God of the universe hears the voice of his children and he never forgets us. He also tells us over and over in Scripture that he loves us. He says, I love you. My children tell me every time before they go hang up the phone, and they're not children. I still call them my children. I guess they'll always be. But uh, They always tell me they love me. You know what? That's not a habit. It's really not. And they know I love them. It's not a habit. It's really, it really matters to them. But you know, the one thing about my love and your love, it's not perfect. We got a sin nature. We're fallen men and women. We have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to not always do what we want to do or say, do what we say we're going to do. But God is not like that. But then there's one other promise he makes. It's one probably my favorite promise of all is he said, I'm preparing a place for you. Think about that. I'm preparing a place for you. Well, John chapter 14, verse 1, is where Jesus, the disciples, and they're troubled because he's just told them he's about to go away. And he, he says those words from John chapter 14, verse 1, where he says, let not your heart be troubled. Here's what he's saying. Don't be worried about anything. Don't be upset. Everything's going to be okay because I'm about to tell you some good news. I'll give you some bad news. I'm about to give you good news. He says, let not your heart be troubled. He said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Now walk back through that with me. He said, don't be troubled. If you believe in God the Father, you can believe also in Jesus because he is God in the flesh. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I don't know about y'all, but that brings joy to my heart to think that God would love us that much. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and he did, he did. It's an account right in the word of God. Acts chapter 1, he, was, he, he said, if I go, I will come again. Is anybody excited about that? That Jesus is coming again? That one day all of the wretchedness and all the sin and all the stuff of this world, everything will pass away and it will be glory unspeakable and full of joy in his presence in that place he's preparing for us. He said, I will, I will prepare a place for you. And he said, I'm going to come again and I'm going to receive you unto myself. That means he is personally going to receive us into his presence. That where he is, there we may be also. Even though life has many giant pitfalls, the Bible is filled with God's promises. Now walk through the text with me briefly here just for a minute, okay? Two observations I made. Now I want to make a few, few about the text and then we'll go, okay? Not only do we have giant pitfalls, God's promises, 
But this text shows us something about the great purpose of our lives right here. You were created for a great purpose. Marty, you know that means you. That means me. And that means every person out here, every person watching online, every person that will see this video through the week, whatever, every one of you were created for a purpose. Now go back to Jeremiah again. God told him before he ever formed him in his mother's womb, he knew him, and he already had ordained him. He'd already set him aside for the purpose of being a prophet to the nations. That's amazing. All right? When we think about the purpose of your life, you say, well, my life's not going to be as significant as Jeremiah. Oh, I wouldn't be so sure. You say, well, my life's not going to be that important. I don't have a very important purpose. I'm just a nobody. You ever hear people say that? Well, I love that song, Signal Casting Crap. And I'm just a nobody. That's who I am. Trying to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. Amen. That's it. It's okay to be a nobody. Because in the presence of Jesus, none of us are very that big shot at all, anyhow. So what is our purpose? Well, walk through the text with me. Jeremiah tells the people, look at verse 5. He says, Build houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat their fruit. Here's what he's telling them. You need to plant your life. He says you need to get plugged in. You need to get some stakes in the ground. You need to get prepared to make a difference in the culture that you're in because you're going to be there a while. Uh, folks, listen to me. If we, if we get in the cave and hide out and don't continue to try to make a difference in this culture, even during this pandemic, it could be tragic because there are great opportunities in this pandemic to tell people about Jesus. I was watching Johnny Hunt just a little clip the other day, just this morning, and he was talking two weeks ago about uh, when he was preaching, and he was talking about the hundreds of thousands, I think it's 350,000 people that have gone into eternity in this country during the pandemic. He said, if statistics stay right, 250,000 of those people plus went into eternity separated from God forever. 250,000 went into eternity without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, friends, if that doesn't motivate our hearts to continue to share the story of Jesus in this time and this climate that we're in, I don't know what else will because I don't know about you. 250,000 people in this past year burning in hell forever, it bur burdens my soul. If it doesn't burden your soul, I don't know what will because I'm telling you, that's what we are about. People of the book, people of the way, we are telling people how to miss hell and make heaven and it's through the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, you're going to have to plant your life. You're going to have to dig in. You're going to be there a while. We, we might be in this thing for a while. And if so, that's okay. We might be in this thing from now to eternity. We might go to heaven from the pandemic. Who knows? But what are we going to do in the meantime? I like something I read that Tony Evans said I want to share with you. He said, when we examine deteriorating cultures throughout history, we often find them that happened when the people of God withdrew from the culture. For example, when Christians abandoned communities' hubs, taking their skills, resources, and moral influence with them, those neighborhoods deteriorate. 
When Christians leave the public school system, moral values are systematically erased there until they practically become illegal to teach. When Christians vacate the media, spiritual perspective goes with them. When Christians get out of politics, a godly moral framework through which to define and interpret laws goes with them. Here's what Dr. Evans is saying. When we remove ourselves because we think that we don't need to be there anymore, it don't suit us or it don't make, make us happy, when we remove ourselves, we remove our influence from those cultures and therefore they are bound to deteriorate without the life preserving of the salt and light of Christian people. He says God's people have been called to penetrate society with salt and light. Christians must offer others hope because no earthly institution can offer hope for the real world. Did you know that? Capitol Hill cannot offer you eternal hope. Did you know that? Nothing under the sun can offer you eternal hope, but the Lord Jesus Christ through his people can. He said the absence of righteousness in our culture has everything to do with the absence of God's people influencing the culture. When Jesus Christ returns, we will no longer have to worry about transforming our culture because he will set up his kingdom rule. But until that time, we need to reach the world for him. We need to continue to influence our communities. We need to continue to influence our schools. We need to continue to influence policy and politics and all those things because, listen, you hear all this stuff about church and state and the separation of church and state. Remember this. That was never, ever meant to keep the church from influencing the government. It was to keep the government from overtaking the church. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. The church will always stand. The church is meant to be influenced and impact and infect the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ and we should never make an apology for doing so. Never. Never. We're going to have to plan our life. We're going to have to dig in. We might be here a while. Here's something else he tells us. Pursue peace. Look at verse 7. Seek the peace of the city which I have caused to be carried away captive. Wow. He says, where are you at? Pursue peace. You know, the Bible teaches as much as lies within you, you live peaceably with all men. I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe he teaches us to pursue peace in all areas of our life. We shouldn't be looking for confrontation, but for a child of God, you realize that it's always a possibility. It's not for what you're against, but it's who you're for. You ever hear people say this? You preachers, I don't know about y'all. You're always against everything, everything. You're against anybody having any fun. I hear that all the time. Now, now, hear me. If you think that's true of this preacher, you don't know me because I am not somebody who's looking for something I'm against, but I do want you to know who I'm for. And because I am for Jesus, and because I am for the Bible and I am for the principles for which it teaches, it does mean that there are sinful things that we will always stand against, not because we're against people, but because we're for Jesus. <laughs> this lady, I told y'all about her one time. I'll never forget it. We witnessed her, her son. We led her son to Jesus and you know, won a club and was baptized. We were going to baptize her son. And she was a single mom. I'll never forget it. And we and the one leader went out to her house, talked to her about her son, and we'll make sure it will be okay for him to be baptized, which he obliged. And she, we finished, and we shared the gospel with her. Here's what she said. She said, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm yet convinced 
but I'm convinced that you're convinced we were on the right path amen wouldn't you hate to come here a preacher everybody says you know all these preachers they talk 45 50 minutes man I'm busy I got all this stuff to do I mean they just need to just give us a little 15 minute sermon that so we can go out on the porch out and get home in our car back. I mean no 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 let's do here, here I don't know about you but if I'm coming to church today I want to come here a man that's filled with the spirit of the power of God that's full of the word of God unashamedly stands on the truth of the word of God I want him to pour into my soul because I I need the word of God amen I don't want you know some lily livered soupy spine guy up here just giving me some little motivational talk I want somebody to give me a word from God that's going to change my life amen I really believe that all three of you I'm telling you thank y'all <laughs> I want to see God do something awesome and marvelous and miraculous and it can't happen any other way that lady, I'll never forget her. You know, she wasn't yet convinced, but she was sure I was. And listen to me. When you share the gospel, you need to make sure that those you share with are convinced that you're convinced. You may not ever convince anybody. Noah preached for 120 years, and the only people got in the ark was his family. Was he a failure? Absolutely not. Not at all. Pursue peace. Let me move he says we've got to pray continually. Look at verse 7 also. And pray to the Lord for it. What? Pray for what? Pray for the city. Pray for this captive city that you're in. You're in exile, but you need to pray for where you are and the people you're around. And for its peace, for in its peace, you will have peace. Let me talk to you about talking to God. If I came home after church today, and I walked into my home and my precious wife had prepared lunch. Ham sandwich. Okay, all right, okay, whatever. Okay. She don't like tuna. I've never got her to eat tuna. I don't know. How can you not like tuna? All right, anyway, that's a whole nother sermon for another day. Okay. But if I go in, there's a ham sandwich or lunch or what? Or we might have some black-eyed peas left over. They might have ears on them by now, but anyhow, that'd be good. Uh, so I'm going in with my family and I go in and I sit down at the table and I eat the meal that's been prepared for me and when I'm spoken to I don't acknowledge anybody speaking to me I don't engage my family and I get up from the table and I go sit in my easy chair and I click on the ball game ball game gets over I get up and I go get supper it'd be supper time by then right and then after supper I take a shower leave all my dirty clothes and dirty towels in the floor I go to sleep get up the next morning and I repeat that process day after day I eat the meals they cook I leave my mess and I don't help I use up all the electricity and hot water and I don't engage in any communication does anybody want to guess how healthy that relationship's going to be? Would we all say pretty unhealthy? I may be knocking on your door looking for some place to live if I behave like that, and rightfully so. But isn't it amazing? We would all say, that is so rude, Brent. 
But you would go in the house and eat food that's been prepared for you, not even thank anybody, not even help anybody clean up, uh, sit on couches that, that have been cleaned for you and watch the TV and leave your dirty clothes and your wet towels in the floor and just expect somebody else to clean up after you and do all this stuff. That'd just be so rude. Well, how about us? We eat food every day that God gives us. Sometimes people don't even thank him for it. We sit on chairs that he provides. We live in houses that he provides. We use hot water that he provides. We sleep in beds that he provides. We watch the ball game on TVs that he provides. We go to jobs that he provides. We do all these things, but yet we go in and through all those days not communicating, not thinking, and leaving all of our dirty laundry around and thanking God to take care of it. And we wonder why our relationship with God is not healthy. See, it seems pretty absurd that somebody would do that to their family, but listen to me. We're talking about the sovereign God of the universe, that people would literally take every blessing from Him and just say, you know what? I deserve it. Well, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. God gives it to us out of His grace, and we need to talk to Him. Two things. He also told us we need to avoid deception. Did you see that in verse 8? Thus says the Lord host, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you have caused a dream. Listen to verse 9. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them, says the Lord. Now, let's just stop for a minute. This year, 2020, has anybody noticed the vast array of modern-day prophets who have come upon the scene? who have prophesied all sorts of stuff throughout last year, especially dealing with the election and post-election, a lot of these guys have had to go back and realize that they don't know what they're talking about because everything they prophesied was false. But you know what? They got a lot of people worried and a lot of people scared, a lot of people upset and all this different kind of stuff and got these new revelations. Well, let me help you. If anybody gives you a revelation that cannot be verified with the written word of God, God did not send that revelation. You agree, Barney? All right, good. Just check. God did not send that revelation. Listen, we don't need a new revelation from somebody on the internet or somebody on the TV or the radio or Facebook Live or any of that stuff. What we need is to be so uh, known and so plugged into the word of God is what I'm looking for that when we hear this stuff we're not pulled away from it because God never gives anything to anybody that contradicts his word never they get all these people all upset listen God is saying this there are people who are going to tell you that they are speaking in my name and I didn't send them God, help us to understand that. We need to avoid deception like no time ever. And in these last days, the temptation toward deception will get greater and greater. We've got to be careful. And then he tells us that we need to live with abandon. Verse 11 is a verse everybody loves, and it's a great verse. Wonderful promise in verse 11, isn't it? God is speaking through Jeremiah and he's talking to his people. He said, listen, this captivity, here's the good news. The captivity will end. 
let me tell you this. This pandemic will end. It will either end on this side of eternity or the other. Which one, I do not know. I'm not saying, I, I'm not putting my hope in the government. I'm not putting my hope in a vaccine. I'm not putting my hope in anything. I'm putting my hope in Jesus. And regardless of what happens, I'm going to trust him because when I came to him, I died. Colossians said this, your life is hidden in Christ. You no longer live for yourself. When you come to him, you die. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that we've been bought with a price. We glorify God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. We no longer are own. We don't have any idea how long. We don't have any idea where, but we know it will end sometime. And wherever God chooses that end, it's in his, in his core. But he said it's going to end. And look here. He said, I've got a plan for you. That's what he said to his people in the Old Testament. I don't want to hurt you. I want to help you. And I want to give you hope and a future. The real keys are right there in verses 12 and 13. Look there with me. He says, then you will call on me. Well, I love this. And pray to me. And I will listen to you. <laughs> Isn't it good to know that God listens? Because you know what? I'm probably like every other parent in the house that's ever raised children. There were times I wasn't the best listener. I'd be caught up with other things, and I always really tried to listen good. But sometimes, because of my imperfections, I, would, I didn't always get it right. <laughs> I was telling them in the early service, I remember used to, you remember on Sunday nights when it used to be the ABC Sunday night movie of the week? I remember it used to be a big deal back in the 70s, you know, when you, when you had that little rotary button over there, you had to go over there and turn to get the antenna just right to where it'd pick up Channel 6. <laughs> These kids don't understand hard times, do they? I never <laughs> told Brooke one time, she said something, uh, I said, you know, in our time, when if I tried to get, call your mama on the phone when we were in high school and she wasn't at home, I just had to wait till she got home. Well, Dad, why didn't you just text her? <laughs> why didn't you just text her? I said, well, you ain't going to believe this. Nobody had a cell phone. Nobody. Life was so much simpler, wasn't it? Anyway. But I can remember the ABC saying that movie of the week, you know. The movie would be going on and stuff be happening. I'd have some questions. I'd like, here's the rule before the movie starts, son. You know, when this movie starts, if you want to talk about anything, you got to wait to the commercial. Okay. So I'm waiting. And all of a sudden, the commercial comes, and I got about 10 questions. I want to know what, when, where, and how, who, when, who's that, and all these questions. And I start saying, hey, hey, daddy, daddy, daddy. Ain't even looking at me, Mark. Didn't even acknowledge it on in the room. Got a question over here. And by the time I'd finally get his attention, the movie'd start again. <laughs> no question. You know, as earthly parents, and, but of course now, once you become a grandparent, I have figured this out. When you become a grandparent, you become perfect in the eyes of your grandchildren. Not in the eyes of those you raised, because we know you, right? We know better. 
But your grandchildren are like, oh, this is just a... And guess what? Your grandchildren, you treat them differently than the ones you raised. It, can I get a witness into that? I'm telling you right now, grandchildren do not, grandparents do not have these same standards with which they raise their children. Never forget the first time Caitlin jumped up on my mom and daddy's couch with her shoes on. I thought, boy, this is going to be fun. Somebody better get hurt right here. And I said, hey, Bob, Kate's got her shoes on your couch. Oh, I'd be all right. <laughs> like, no way. I mean, man, you, that used to be like legs chopped out from under. Get your feet off my couch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's just good to know that God always listens to us. And it's not based on his emotions. It's not based on his feelings. He listens to us because it's in his holy character. And then he says this, and I'm done. You're going to seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, gather in close here, all right? Family meeting right here. Gather in tight, all right? Huddle up. Wouldn't it be amazing to just imagine for a moment what the sovereign God of the universe would do through you. You, now I want you to be personal. Circle around your people, you. And not just you, your family. And not just you, your family, but this church. What God might do through us in the midst of a horrible worldwide global pandemic if we just sought for him with all of our heart. Now listen, here's the easiest thing for us to do. The easiest thing for us to do is go through life with a divided heart without a dream. Divided over, oh yeah, I love Jesus, but golly, I'm so busy. Yeah, I, I love serving in the church, but they just, don't they know how busy I am? Oh, I love doing all these different things. I want to tell people about Jesus, but I just never find the right time or the right words. I want to invite folks to come with me to worship, whatever, but I just, I don't want to, feel awkward, I don't want them to feel awkward all these different things and our heart gets real divided because and it gets chopped up in so many pieces of the pie, they're so small that our, our commitment to Christ is so small it's easy to go through a life with a divided heart but what would happen, think for a minute I don't really think we could fully grasp the totality of what God could do if we all made a commitment here today, your heart to God's heart, my heart to God's heart, my heart to all your hearts, everybody's heart knit together like David and Jonathan, if we made that kind of commitment to say, God, today, no longer divided. No longer am I just kind of just drifting through life and not catching the current of what you're doing. No longer will I live without a dream about what you want to do tomorrow. Can you believe in 12 months from now what we might see take place? I don't think we can even get our arms around it. But I can tell you this. If we do, we'd be shocked. Don't you want to see God just shock some people with his power and presence in this culture? I do. Don't you want to see him do exceedingly, abundantly above all we could ask or think. You know how that happens? When we search for him with all our heart. Pray with me.
Father, in Jesus' name, so thankful for this day. God, I just want to thank you for every person who filled this room today. I want to thank you for every person who viewed the service online. I, I want to thank you, Father, for the opportunity to worship the King of glory in this place today. Father, here's my prayer for your people as we prepare to depart from this building in just a few minutes. Is that every person would live here today realizing they were created for a purpose, they never need to stop dreaming, and need to live with an undivided heart. God, help your people to leave this place today committed to searching, seeking after you with all their heart. God, allow this church family to make that commitment to you and one another that we would search for you with all of our heart and we would trust you to do greater things through us than we could ever imagine on our own. And we would be careful, careful, careful to give you the ultimate glory in all things. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, I want you to look this way just a minute or two before we dismiss. I do want to thank you so much for your kind attention and your prayers and thankfulness. And I really am excited to start a new year. I'll tell you, I'm so thankful we're able to meet in person. Please pray that we're able to continue to do that because we know not what is ahead, but we know that God is faithful. A couple quick things. The perforated section, please use that. For any prayer requests, praise reports you have, you can drop it in the buckets when you go out. Offering buckets are in the back. You can use the online app if you want to use that for giving. Whichever way is best, just be faithful to give. Don't ever stop giving, ever stop investing because it's, a, it's important that you never do that. Because if you do, you'll get dependent on you. You're not dependent on him. Also, if you have any questions about ministry, if you have any decisions you need to make about your relationship with God, uh, please uh, note that on your card. And I always stay. If you want to talk to someone, I'll be here. We're not leaving, even though we're not doing come forward invitations right now. We're here for you. You matter more to us than anything under the sun. So do remember that. But if you just want to leave a card and have us contact you, please, you can do that. That would mean so much either way so that we can do that. Your prayer requests and praise reports, we're going to be transferring to the wall in the war room so others who are praying along with you can get those requests off the wall and also celebrate with you over the praise reports, okay? So do remember that. Do remember Wednesday night we're back. Don't forget to be here if you're at all possible for Wednesday night worship. Uh, children, student, and youth groups all meeting together at the same time, okay? So do remember that, all right? And before we go, I never want you to forget that you know God loves you. Please don't ever forget that I love you. There's not a thing you can do about it, amen? Stand with me. Marty's going to sing us out, and we look forward to seeing you. Have a great Sunday afternoon.